Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 99 of Pounding the Table. We are here with Cam Howe from Investapel, uh, who's a special guest who's going to join us. Not just uh, an ad for Investapel either. We found out that Cam came from the space and is very knowledgeable. So we said, why don't you just come on the pod? We'll chat a little bit. So we got Joey and Shy here as well. It is Friday, December 1st, about 2.30 p.m. So Anything changes, we got the timestamp in there. But Cam, welcome to your first real episode of Pound in the Table. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Excited to be here. Give us a quick background so everyone knows where you're from and gives you some, yourself some credibility here. Yeah, yeah. so uh, I've been in the space now, I'm not only quite a few years now. Started off as a technical research analyst. So kind of my bread and butter is on the, on the technical analysis front moved over to be more a quant. So I worked at one of the, the large Canadian investment banks on the sell side, um, helping out some of the institutional clients with their quantitative investment strategy. And then after that, I ended up launching Investapal. So we've been out for about two years, been helping a lot of retail investors take control of their finances. You kind of think of us as like your, your risk analytics engine. You can come in, upload your portfolio, see where you're exposed to certain risks and help mitigate that. So yeah, I've been at it for about uh, half a decade now. We have about 200 million on our platform of individual retail investors coming in, helping optimize their portfolios. We like to have the guests kick things off, share a little bit about what you're seeing overall in the market right now and then new stocks you're watching. And then we'll uh, we'll talk to Investabel a little bit because Joey and Shy are crushing it. I'm doing pretty well myself, but it's been fun. We're really enjoying it, but let's give you some more credibility and excited to hear what you're looking at. Yeah, I'd love to hear that, first of all. But on the market side, um, I think the worst is definitely behind us. If you look at some of the major indices, S&P 500, it's pretty much back at its previous highs. Um, looks like it's about to break out. NASDAQ is back to its all-time highs again. I see that one going to about 17,000. I think the bigger, you know, on the technical front, we always look for multiple pieces to confirm the hypothesis. Um, so it's not just like price being able to hit a new high, it's making sure that there's breadth, there's participation behind that as well. If you look at like the market internals, like the percentage of stocks above their 50 day moving average or rather 200 day moving average, both of those look pretty good. The put call ratio. So it's like a, a, essentially a belief around the call volume divided by the put volume. If you see it, uh, on any excess, it can be a contrarian indicator that the market is going to move the opposite direction. Pretty flat right now. There's nothing screaming alarm bells like we're overbought. Now is time to uh, now is a good time to sell. So overall, market internal wise, it all looks like a very healthy rebound. And then if you kind of look at individual areas like crypto, I know you guys are big crypto fans. That looks pretty good as well. Ether, I can see that going to about twenty five sixty. That's off the Fibonacci retracement for any TA folks out there. Bitcoin as well, nice little reset in RSI, pretty durable rally. I see that one going to about 47,000. I don't know if you guys are keeping an eye on any of those either, but I think crypto is a pretty good indication of like a risk on environment right now. We, we have that Christmas rally that everyone talks about. It started a little bit earlier. So, you know, some people on the Contra side may think that it's, you know, it should be going down soon, but how are you guys feeling? Do you uh, agree here with Cam or? I think it's kind of wild that the S&P's uh, hit their all-time high today. I know I've been reading a lot on Twitter that, oh, all the shit co-companies are like bouncing hard, like Upstart, Plug Power, et cetera, like top signal, top signal. 
no, like that's kind of what you want to see. Like all the major winners for the whole year, like the Magnificent Seven. Like if you've noticed the past week, this all week, they haven't moved or they've actually faded a bit. Whereas the laggers, they've kind of caught a bit. And that's what you want to see for a healthy longevity in a bull market where you see some of the laggers finally catching up and you don't put money in these like obvious winners who are like, I want to say defensive, but like they kind of were a defensive stock for this year when there's so much uncertainty in the market. Having said that, I have a tracker that tracked my model where it says what percentage of like the S&P stocks in the S&P are above their 50 day. Usually if it's under 20%, that's way oversold, should be a bounce. If it's over 80%, overbought, may, might be a little toppy and then maybe there's some consolidation or fades that's going to happen. Well, today it hit 82%. So I do think combination of the Fed's our, the data we're getting is Goldilocks numbers where inflation is going lower and it looks like there's going to be a soft landing. And the narrative is coming now that, oh, very cuts might happen in Q1 where, by the way, before I move on, like I think it's going to happen in Q3. No chance it's going to happen in Q1 or Q2. As everyone knows, Fed overstays are welcome always. So that's going to be the same thing again on rate, cutting rate heights. Anyway, going back to it. So I think the combination of like the insane run in, happened in November was... So uh, bullish data that inflation is behind us. Business spending has actually gone out of the recession from all the earnings we got from tech. I think the Santa rally did happen. I don't know if it's going to continue throughout the year. I could see a scenario where the laggers keep getting bots and there's going to be a massive dump in January. There could be a very bloody, bloody January for growth tech and all the big tech players. So keep in mind that. And also, it's never been cheaper to buy a hedge for your portfolio. Like, I don't want to hear excuses on Twitter. Like, oh my God, like I'm down 15, 20% this month when I had such a big run up. The VIX is under 13. It's dirt cheap to buy 20, June 2024 puts to protect your portfolio or even December 2024 puts to protect your portfolio. Like it's never been cheaper. So I advise everyone just to hedge their portfolio and protect those gains because it does feel squeezy potentially if it continues the next couple of weeks. Joey. Anything you want to add on that? I, I do want to talk about uh, quickly. There, I, I'm curious actually just about with what Elon Musk said. Clearly, we're not on the same page. We don't say F or uh, sponsors here. We bite them on uh, full force here. But uh, I was curious because I saw a lot of backlash on Twitter, like the inverse where people were like, all right, I'm selling Disney. I'm going to be, he's like, hi, Bob. And he's clearly talking to Bob Iger. And, and so curious if you guys, if anyone thinks that Disney could see a hit like we saw that with Target and with Budweiser and they were selling off there. Do you think that we're going to see anything with either Tesla or with Disney on that, Joey? No, I, I think we saw the bulk of that already play out. You have those initial people that will do anything Elon Musk says, but then you have the other people that have been long holders at Disney that are kind of just ignoring the noise. I think Disney has a lot going on for them. They can't even really say anything in response to that right now because, you know, they're battling these activist investors trying to get on their board. And, you know, adding these other board of directors to try to say, oh, look at all these people with the experience that we're adding. They put their dividend back on. Elon gets a lot of headlines because he's a very important figure. And I mean, that's just kind of what he does. He's the ultimate marketing machine. And he goes from that to the Cybertruck release. And, you know, he's been all over the news for weeks now. So, I mean, Elon's just being Elon. Then they, they pushed the Cybertruck back. I thought because... I was saying that it was supposed to release yesterday, and then I, I saw Alliant uh, Capital say that not till 2025, or is that incorrect? That's for the cheaper like, model. So that's for like the $60,000 model. 
Yeah, I think it's like the production line started rolling off and some deliveries were happening from like years ago. But now if you place an order and there's like the new price point and when you could actually receive delivery if you placed an order. What do you think about the Santa rally, Joe? Well, I mean, so what Shai was just saying, so, you know, I've been heavy in those mag seven type stocks, not all of them, but, you know, a good bulk of them. So yeah, as the smaller companies have now taken off, the mag seven have pretty much been flat this week. I mean, my main runner has been like CrowdStrike over the last two weeks and my cyber exposure, but yeah, it's almost flatlined while now you see you've got countless stocks up double digits today that, I mean, as Shai was calling shitcos, where whether you have Upstart, Carvana, you have Lyft up 13% today. Then you had some good earnings reports out of Samsara, UiPath, and Elastic, and you see those stocks up 2020, or 22%, 28%, 36% respectively. So you're just seeing these massive moves. And it goes back to, I think, two weeks ago when we were talking about smaller tech companies that we felt like could be coiled springs if they catch a bid. And Confluent was a stock we had talked about. And you see that's run from, you know, 18s to where it's sitting almost 23 right now. And, and a lot of these companies are doing the same thing, just no news, no earnings and are just starting to soar. So it's good to see the smaller companies catching a bid because that could just be, you know, capital returning to the market because there's still trillions on the sidelines just sitting in these money market accounts. And I was hoping, you know, like those FOMO traders would come in like, oh, look, the market's heading back to all time highs. Everybody's waiting for, you know, that revisit to October lows, as all the experts were saying, oh, no, this is a head fake. It's going back lower. Well, it didn't. So at some point, that money needs to come back in. Or, you know, yeah, you could sit and make 4.5% on your savings account if you really want to. But yeah, I think it's good to see these smaller companies catching a bid. Some of them, I feel like the runs have been a little too much, but it looks like a healthy market. I want it to be a healthy market, but I do think you should be cautious. You know, a lot of this, I know in our group text and even texting some other guys like Brad Freeman, stock market nerd, kind of like, hey, dear, you getting some 2020 vibes with this where- I just screenshot like yesterday. Season. So that's for what that's worth. <laughs> well, yeah, screenshots it's one of those where, start coming out, it's not good. Yeah. And he was even, I saw one of his tweets like, yeah, when the screenshots or your portfolio performances and the rockets start coming out, I feel like that was a bit of a jab at Joey Rockets right there. But yeah, it, it gets to the point where like everybody's so excited and everything's going up. That's when I was like, wait, this feels a lot like the 2022 run up where everything's going up every single day. And I mean, I can't remember the last, you know, three straight down days that we had. So that's where I start getting like, you know, PTSD from the declines we saw in 2021, 2022 that, okay, maybe we need to be more cautious stop deploying into this, maybe start thinking about where you could trim and reshuffle some positions to get more into some value. And I mean, I even did that with trimming off some of my top growth names and just like parking it in PayPal. Like, okay, this is a very undervalued play. I'm probably not going to lose, you know, 20, 30% of this on a downturn. But Microsoft was one of the positions I ended up trimming where I know everybody loves it right now because it's going to like be one of the leaders in AI. But I was looking at the valuation on that and even talking with Shai about it. It's like, this is a very expensive stock now, regardless of what they have going on internally that could be great 10 years from now. It just got so far ahead of itself. I felt like, okay, trimming this or even eliminating this position and shifting elsewhere is just the smart thing to do. And if it runs another 15, 20%, hey, my hat's off to you, but I'm more comfortable 
doing a bit of a reshuffling to protect myself to the downside. And did you see a similar, like you were talking, I forget the chart you were just talking about, but some of those indicators that could see where, you know, start to get out and pull out a little bit. Some of that in 2020 and in, 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 I guess it was like February. I remember it was like February 14th or 15th that everything started crashing uh, in 2021. Yeah, I think at that time, I remember like on the trading floor, things were definitely overbought. I mean, there was a huge catalyst that entered the market that was COVID that like really caused everything to turn over, but it was very frothy. Um, I think, you know, to counter Joey's point a little bit, I, I, I think you're a little conservative right now. Um, if you look at, to your point, like if you go more value, there's lots of opportunities in value. doesn't necessarily have to be growth. And if, you know, if you remember back to last year, what the focus was with a lot of those big tech companies, it was turning themselves into more quality engines. Let's stop focusing so much on growth. Let's focus more on profitability and ROE. Um, so I think you've seen in the market, a lot of companies, a lot of those mega caps be more in the quality bucket than in the growth bucket. Like what I've, what, what has been catching my eye, the consumer spender, the retail spender, which is the primary driver in the U.S. economy, is like in full force. Shopify and Amazon are both tearing it up right now. I think, you know, we saw, we thought there'd be a, a big drive in consumer spending with inflation, but it is only at 3%. We've seen it in the, in the Christmas buying activity right now. I actually think it's like a pretty good time to start looking at like the Russell. Like the Russell hasn't even moved. It's been in a holding pattern for like two years right now. And you could certainly look to that for some value. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I'm choking. Um, three, two, one. Could we take a, a quick gander over to Coinbase? I know you mentioned that about crypto starting to take off. Uh, Bitcoin, I think it hit 28,000 today. I was, I was looking quick. Um, up a hundred and almost 10% in the past six months. Now, Binance News obviously contributed to that, where Binance is going to be leaving the U.S. And so it's almost a, a monopoly. Obviously, there's a few other exchanges here, but nothing major. Have they ripped too much, would you say? Or, or does anyone have a thought on that? Because I still like it. I mean, someone was doing the math on Twitter. I think now to 12 ETFs, and there's rumors that it could come as early as like January now. Um, all the spot ETFs, all that money being all, they, they, they could go like through the roof. Someone made a comparison to like video basically that it, it's like, way, way undervalued right now. I'm not sure if any of you guys have a... Uh, no, so this is exactly what I was bringing up like in our group chat when Bitcoin was taken off. It, it usually runs with Bitcoin. And I remember it, it like cracked a hundred. I was texting you guys like, hey, this crypto rally is for real. Coinbase is going to be taken off right with them. And then, yeah, you're citing all this other data where these ETFs coming out and everything kind of will help fuel that rally. That's where I got very interested in, in Coinbase, but um, yeah, it, it got to the point where as I was looking at it, it just can't stop going up. And then it's one of those, okay, I'm just going to sit on my hands and wait now. And it, it's just continued to rip. You have like an RSI like 87 right now. I think it's very overbought. I think it, it's good. Joey, I think you're right. It's a good buy. I'd wait. I'd be a little patient on it. I think it's going to come in. You probably see a 50% check back or something. And that's a good buy opportunity. What about Robinhood then? And, and I guess kind of similar space somewhat with a lot of the retailers. Uh, they, get, they have crypto involved as well. It's 934. They're up 6% today. What are your thoughts on that? Are they are they up because they're launching in the UK? I feel like that was the main news they had. I think it's just a, 
It's just a bucketing approach. I think all fintech, they're laggers. So I think they're all being catching it. Bit. SoFi exited the crypto space this week, but they're catching a bit today. PayPal is catching a bit. It's just a lot of money just going towards like whoever's been lagging. And Robinhood, of course, would be in that category. Same with Upstart. SoFi, your Wi-Fi is also lagging a little bit. So Cam, we're super excited to have you on again. The CEO uh, and founder of Investopal. We're going to be doing a full walkthrough on YouTube that we'll be sharing uh, later this week as uh, kind of an additional piece that you guys can get. But Shai is going to give you a quick demo, but more so just talking through some of the portfolio. The idea here is, again, we had the Bible two years ago. We didn't think about the fact that it was static and stocks move, things change. And so this is a much better version of the Bible now. You guys can see exactly the stocks that we're looking at. And there's even an area to actually click notes and type out why you're buying or selling a specific stock. So Shai, I'll give you the mic and you can walk through because you've, uh, you've been crushing it here. Yeah, so I've had a casual 30% return on this portfolio last month. Don't expect to do that again next month. However, I picked 10 names equal weight when I initially started this portfolio. A combination of safe, I quote defensive, such as mega cap stocks and also undervalued small cap stocks because I did believe, I still do, that small cap stocks are going to start catching a big bit going forward, like for the next 12 to 18 months potentially. And then also, I want to capitalize on some of the best of breed growth stocks that I know will deliver this earnings and their chart looks absolutely bullish and they might finally break out this 12 to 18 month base they're in. So first one I'm going to call out, like I started each one was 10%. My top dog right now is Transmedics, ticker TMDX. So that's actually 15% of my portfolio. That shows how much it's ran up in November and it's absolutely justified. They were sold off as within that med- reason again. The tech bucket is going to have six packs. Everyone's going to be like incredibly healthy due to Zempic. And they're just like lumping all these med tech companies in that bucket n- without doing any research into who's actually going to get affected by it. Transmedics was one of the victims in that uh, narrative. And I absolutely think they're going to be a monster going forward. It's not just that they're growing the top line triple digits. They're about to be free cash flow positive next year. Or that they acquire this aviation company that's going to enhance their mode to actually have a network effect now. So they're owning the end-to-end process for organ transplants. It's because they were just beat up so freaking much that everyone was panicking. And whenever I see a stock that's a small cap that has a network effect, moats, who's growing the top line triple digits, who's about to be cash flow positive, I'm going to pounce on that. And... I think Q3 earnings was like the signal that a lot of investors needed to see, okay, how much is this the aviation company acquisition going to affect their free, uh, f- guidance for free cash flow or operational metrics? And if they didn't acquire that company, they actually would have been free cash flow positive that quarter. So that right there shows, oh, okay. So that makes sense why they acquired that aviation company because they're growing their top line like an insane amount. They need to own the whole end-to-end rather than go broker brokerages or lease these planes. So I think this will be a monster. It will be a hundred dollar stock next year, guaranteed. It's at 75 right now. I've been pounding the table for months in this name. This is a mini monster. There's not that many small caps out there that have the fundamentals, the growth trajectory, management telling them like this is at 20 in five years, we're gonna make a billion dollars in revenue. It, it's gonna happen. 
And this ca- company was like trading at 1.4, one, actually lower than that just a month ago. I was like, there's a huge disconnect happening. So capitalize on that. My second one is Mercado Libre. I love, love investing in category leaders, specifically category leaders in thematics I'm absolutely bullish on for the next couple of years, a rest of decade. E-commerce fits that. And Mercado Libre is absolutely a category leader in what they do. No one else does what they do in Latin America. Like They are just the king of LATAM. They do fintech. They do the e-commerce. They own the infrastructure. Like Rather than, uh, I'm going to bash on C-Limited right now, but in 2020, 2021, like when they're growing like gangbusters and like making so much money, they didn't expand to like, I don't know, Africa, Europe. They were just like, all right, we know our niche and this region will expand like an insane amount the rest of the decade. We're going to own this. We're not going to let anyone else come in here. So they invested in their infrastructure, created that network effect moats. That's something C Limited did not do because they expanded to like all these random potentially high growth areas like they tried to get in Latin, brazil latin america failed tried to get into europe failed and now other competitors were just eating the pot, their pie in southeast asia and that's why they're like oh should we grow should we be profitable like they're going back and forth because they had a huge misstep and now they're trying to recover from it and it might be too late but anyway so that's the limited issue mercado Libre is a category leader love them Another stock that I love, number three in my portfolio is DigitalOcean. They're not a category leader in exactly the thematic, which is cloud computing. However, they are a category leader in SMBs for cloud computing. And they were just so dirt cheap at $20, not because their product is is bad, not because their tech is bad. It's because they're just absolutely mismanaged and the previous CEO, Yancey, was an ex-CFO, and it's rare for a CEO who used to be a CFO succeed in a company that's very developer-focused, who has a high-growth thematic such as cloud computing. And we saw what happened to DigitalOcean all year. Like, they're just focused on buying back debts, just like manipulating the balance sheet, rather than investing in their developers or invest their growth for the company. So now that um, Yancey's out, they're looking for the new CEO. He's not announced yet. I hate investing in a company that has no capital on the ship, but I know DigitalOcean is the only pure cloud computing company in the market, and they're a category leader in what they do, which is cloud computing SMB. So I think that's going to be a winner. And worst case, they're going to get acquired by some legacy tech company who wants to get some exposure in this specific thematic. And I hope that doesn't happen. But again, that's the category layer and what they do. Last one I'm going to talk about because I'm like ranting right now, but Unity software. The reason I want to follow up with Unity after DigitalOcean because they kind of experience the same kind of headwinds as DigitalOcean. Great tech. They have a duopoly with Unreal Engines. They have so many thematics that they tackle with their technology, AR, VR, video games. Like honestly, engagement like i i call them like they're just a play on engage worldwide engagement which is like going to be exploding due to all the apps that ai is going to generate all the specific products that ai would generate unity will be their tech will capitalize on that and john is the worst ceo ever for unity i've said that multiple times he butchered ea sports he did the same thing in unity i'm glad he's gone i really hope they get some young hot executive from I don't know, Microsoft or even like someone from the create department to lead their company that's developer focused because 
they are just there's I'm just so bullish on what they can do for the next decade because their tech is insane. Like if anyone watched Avatar two underwater, like the technology, the scenes underwater, they were using Unity's technology for that. Like they're not just a gaming play; they're just like true engagements. So like that's gonna they're gonna capitalize on that. And I'm not going to mention the partnership with Apple Vision Pro. Apple rarely butchers any kind of massive product launch and they need this Vision Pro Quest to succeed because they're kind of losing, they're growing the top line negative growth. They're a hardware business who capitalizes on their hardware and they need Vision Pro Quest to succeed because if they don't, yes, they have a ton of cash, but they need like a new hot hardware to like start leveraging going forward. And I think the partnership, Unity is just going to ride that tide with them. I'm going to stop there, rambled a ton, but yeah, I mean, that's... Two two quick questions. One, yep. since you made a guarantee, I gotta say this is not investment advice. But since you made the guarantee, if it's not over a hundred, will you shave your head by the end of twenty twenty four? If it doesn't touch a hundred, yeah, hey, right. they can touch a hundred. If the S and P finishes above forty two hundred and TMDX does not hit a hundred, I will shave my head. Right. That's the addition in there. there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What are your some- thoughts Sam, on his portfolio? What do you, what do you, what are your favorite stocks on there? And what would you uh, get rid of if, if you were? Didn't, uh, I could see Amazon bumping back and a lot. It's a bit of a drag. What do you have at eight, eight, 8.7%? Unity though, didn't they get whacked recently trying to be a little bit greedy with their? Yeah, that's exactly why John got fired. So like it was best of both worlds. Like they butchered it. However, that was like the last straw that board needed to ax John. So I was like, all right, it's a lot. I'll take it just because it's going to help the longevity of the business. Yeah, yeah. I don't mind the picks. They look pretty good to me. Yeah. Are you going to uh, keep it running? Rebounce oh, the portfolio. No, I, okay, line. I'm getting out of super microcomputer ticker SMCI. Get some better Wi-Fi, man. We're not paying you. To, we got to get more. It's not just because like I invest in category yeah. leaders from multiple top players, and and they and they have uh, no pricing power in what they do. So I'm just going to tr- sell that, and I'm probably going to add paycom is probably my next dog like some kind of undervalued growth SaaS company that's like taking market share from a dinosaur aka adp or just double down on rocket lab rocket lab is dirt cheap right now like they're not participating in this like squeeze or rally in small caps and they have duopolute spacex except they actually have a specific moat in what they do that spacex cannot do which is they can launch these satellites on foreign soil because they have so much involvement with Australia and New Zealand's like governments that they're like partnying with them on a ton of their launches. And I think that's gonna be a big moat since SpaceX kind of has to go through NASA and like go domestic. But yeah, so that I'm gonna probably edit it a bit. But again, I didn't want to touch it because it's running all month. Yeah, and what do you got in to kind of wrap things up? What do you have in your portfolio? Uh, what kind of stocks are you looking at for the next couple, six, 12 months here? Yeah, I've added to Eventbrite. Might fly under the radar. You're not afraid of the uh, this new virus that's coming out? There's What are you talking about? X. Fake news. They, they created this new virus. It's the, the <laughs> X virus. Coincidentally, oh. they hate Elon that much that they named the next virus X. Uh, <laughs> it landed in, in Boston today, I think it was. Oh, interesting. I haven't actually even heard of that. I'm not too concerned. I mean, it has sold off. Um, I see it bouncing back. I see 
you know, more people joining individual events, which, uh, regardless of COVID or not. I also just added to XPEV, which is a Chinese Z company. Same with Tesla. Tesla's been looking pretty fair as well. I think you're going to start to see a little bit of a bounce back in the the EV market. Also, I think Shopify is a pretty good bet as well. Off the previous conversations with bounce back in consumer spending. China is, I guess, wrap it up. It's kind of cooled off the Taiwan talk a little bit. People thought that they were going to take advantage of these two wars going on and make a third. No fear is there for you with China. Z just came over and they rolled out the little literal red carpet for them and had flags <laughs> in San Francisco. So it seems the like streets. perhaps, yeah, exactly. For the first time, it seems like perhaps they're, you know, making a better uh, relationship again, or. I think there's two things. I think the U S and China are trying to find a way to cooperate. I think that's very good. I do think there is going to be a persistent onshoring or reshoring of U.S. companies out of China. I think over the next 20, 30 years, there's going to be a, a conflict and it's going to force a lot of those U.S. companies to either move to cheaper locations, whether that be, you know, Vietnam or tomorrow, I'll call it with quotation marks, democratic companies like India that have similar values to the U.S. that are not competing on like a communist versus democratic society. So. I don't, I can see near term, the market being able to get over some of those headwinds. Mm. Long term, I can see the U, uh, a lot of the U.S. manufacturers, whether it be Apple or other source companies looking to leave China because of the, the geopolitical risks there. I don't think it's going to impact anything today. If anything, it's just going to keep inflation probably higher for longer. I like that you called uh, India a company and because countries really are. Companies at that. Oh, does it company? Yeah. As a previous <laughs> left there. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on, Cam. This is awesome. We'll have to bring you back for sure. And that was really cool. I, it's investopal.co. We'll put that in the description as well. It's actually like a really fun thing and something that we've been looking for quite some time that people can follow along and take a look and keep us honest and, and make sure that people can see what we're doing without that static Bible that we've had in the past. And as I mentioned, Episode 100 is next. So for all of our fans of Tony, he is coming back. And episode 100, he, they just talked to him today. And so he said he's coming back. So very excited. You're in the last episode before Tony comes back to pounding the table. So thanks again, Cam, for popping on. Yeah, thanks for having me on.